on, amen. Come on, turn to somebody, give them a high five, man. Welcome to Believer's Chapel. Praise the Lord, man. We are excited you are with us. Whether you're here in person, whether you're online, whether you're on the radio station, man, we are juiced that you spent time with Believer's Chapel on this particular Sunday, baby. Come on. Here we go. Hope all are ready. Man, I believe God has a word for us this morning. As I has been going through this particular psalm for some time, I just wanted to preach on it. I felt uh, about midweek, man, I've been going through two different messages, and whether we start a new series or just, this has just been ingrained in my spirit, and just having conversations with people this week, I just think it is the timing for this word uh, in Psalm 27. So if you want to turn with me, please, to Psalm 27, man, we will get rolling this morning. Come on. Mm, mm, mm. So thankful that you are with us today. Come on, excited for this upcoming week, if the Lord would tarry and he gives us more time, and are we living and serving to honor and glorify him? Do you look forward to this? Church, let me ask you, man, do you look forward to the, the week that we have yet lived? Say, God, what could this week have in, in store for the kingdom? God, how do I serve the kingdom this week? God, what contacts will be before me this week that I will be able to present the gospel? Like, are we that mindset of God, like, this week could be an exciting week. God, this week has things unknown that are going to be unveiled. God, there's amazing things going to happen this week that I don't know about yet, but God, I want to be ready. Like, is this our mindset? Like, God, I want to be a kingdom builder this upcoming week. Like, what happened if you looked at life that way? Like, you were looking forward. Like, you were truly looking forward to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday going, God, there are contacts yet I have not made that will be contacts for your kingdom. Like, this is our mindset, right? Come on, coming off a tremendous week last week, total props to my bride, uh, Miss Renee, on Mother's Day, just crushed it last week as she had just a great word on what are we decreeing, man? What are the words coming out of our mouth as moms, and it's good for all of us, but as moms covering the family and covering the kids and covering, covering the, 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 who I am and the priority of my household. And Renee, my dear, I love you. You smoked it last week, girl. That was fantastic, girl. It was awesome. And what a great word for the church. So come on, let's look at Psalm, 20, <clears throat> Psalm 27. And this is the deal, man. This is written by David. And we know David as kind of being a big deal, right? David's a big deal. David is like the guy of kind of like the Old Testament. I know there's Abraham. He was kind of a big deal. Moses, high five, like, wow, that was incredible. Moses, a big deal. Egypt and all that. Yeah, amazing. And then we land on this guy named David. And this guy named David was just a shepherd boy, man. He lived in the field, tending to his father's flock, man. This is what David did. He was just a shepherd boy. And then there was this day that this prophet showed up at Jesse's house going, hey, one of your sons is going to be anointed the next king. Saul, he's going to blow it. He's going to mess up. God says, come to your house. God knows which one's going to be your son. Bring out your sons, and God is going to reveal to me on who the next king of Israel is going to be. And so Jesse brings out all of his sons except one, the youngest. David is out in the field just tending to the father's flock. And then Samuel's like, nope, 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 nope. Man, where is it? Man, where is he? None of these are the one anointed king. Where is the one? He's like, well, there's this one left, my youngest. He's out in the field. He's like, well, bring him in. So isn't it amazing that David wasn't even considered for the job, but yet he was the one God chose. Wasn't even a consideration in his own father's eyes, man, in his own family's eyes. Wasn't even considered, but it's the one God chose. 
Now we know David is the, the mighty warrior who killed Goliath. At this time, he was just like the, the delivery boy, man. He was the Uber camel driver. Like this is what David did, right? He was the Uber driver for, on a camel probably or walked and he delivered the food, right? He was DoorDash. That's what he did. DoorDash on a camel, man. That was, that was David, the DoorDash guy. And this is what he did. He delivered food to his brothers on the battlefield. And then all of a sudden he's the one that's slinging a stone at Goliath's face and takes him down. So you got David and Goliath. Everyone knows that great story. That's huge. And all of a sudden you got now David in the palace and David's, he's, he's singing and he's a worship leader and he's singing with Saul and King Saul. And he, when, when David would sing, the darkness would leave. And King Saul was like, who is this guy? This is a great guy. And then David became one of his warriors and David would go out and he would conquer land for King Saul. And then King Saul becomes jealous of David. And now there's this jealous rage that comes upon uh, Saul to go after David. And then now David is just on the run and David's on the hide. And so you got this whole piece to this gentleman named David, like he's a big deal. All of it, we know that David, that the Bible says this, this is a man after my own heart. That's what God said about David. This is a man who's after my heart. He is one who had a great fear of God. He is one who had a great reverence of God. He became the king of Israel, one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. And David was a warrior, man. He would take ground for the kingdom of God would say, go and take that territory. And David and his mighty men would go in and take that territory. Battle after battle after battle after battle, David would win the war. David was mighty. He was a warrior. He was a giant slayer. Man, he was one who was hard after God's own heart. He loved the Father. He understood what it was to honor God and fear God. We all know David's fall. He had a great fall. He walked in sin. We understand that. We know that. All of these pieces, David is a big deal in the Bible. David is a big deal in the Bible. And David says this, this sentence here in Psalm 27. He says, the one thing that I ask of you. The one thing that I ask of the Lord. I mean, what could this be, right? I mean, what could this be that this really big deal in the scripture says, I ask, Lord, I ask this one thing. Now listen, if you're going to ask the Lord any one thing, like, come on, church, what would it be? Like, if you had that idea going, God, I want to ask you this one thing. Like, God, there's this one thing that, that I cannot do without. This is the one thing that I need. Like, honestly, in your mind and in your heart, like, what would come to mind in that? God, this is the one thing I cannot live without. God, this is the one thing that I need. I need this. So when you see such a, a, a huge character in scripture, when you see that this is God's chosen leader, this is God's chosen king, when you see that this is the one that God has called, when you see this is the one that God anointed and ordained to be the leader of Israel, and you see in Psalm 27, there's this amazing, beautiful piece that he says, God, there's this one thing. But man, I think, don't you agree that we should Pay attention to the one thing and see if it's our one thing. 
Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you for the moment. God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day you have given us. It's a new day, and it's a fresh day today. And God, I thank you for your word. Your word is alive, and it is powerful. It is active, and it is effective to those who will believe it. And God, we see your word today, and I want to be those who will believe it today. And Father, I ask that you would open our eyes to see what we need to see, open our ears to hear what we need to hear. And God, that our heart will be in a condition to be able to respond to you today as your seed falls in our heart, and it would bear fruit today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Come on. Amen. Come on. Look at verse one, Psalm 27. It says this. This is David. He's writing this. He says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Man, man what happens when you say, okay, David's perspective of God. Ah, like when you read some of the Psalms that David writes, it's like he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Who is man that he would even take thought of him? Like when you begin to see David's perspective, man, this is God. He is almighty. This is God. He is all powerful. This is God. He is everywhere all at once. But yet we cannot get away from his presence. Like when you understand David's proper perspective of God almighty, it changes as we move forward. It changes, I should say this, it changes how we move forward. When you have the right perspective of God Almighty, the true creator of heavens and earth, God Almighty who is alive, God Almighty who is present, this is what David said. He is my light and he is my salvation. And the word salvation means he is my deliverer. He is my rescuer. You've got to remember there was these moments that you've got the big king, right? King Saul, who had all of the largest army on the, on the planet at the time chasing after one man. Are you kidding me? My guess, just a guess, that there's not one person, not one person who's present, not one person online, not one person on the radio that has like the Navy SEALs looking for you to take you out. I doubt that. And if you're in that position, I pray they catch you. But anyways, um, <laughs> amen. But this is where it was for David. He had the greatest army after him. And when he says, God, I know you to be my deliverer. God, you are the one who rescues me. God, you are my salvation. And we have the New Testament salvation that Jesus Christ, because God loved the world, gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came on the greatest rescue mission of all time that Jesus Christ came, put himself on a cross for you and I on the greatest rescue mission that you and I can say, I am saved. Man, I have been rescued. I have been delivered from what? from the wrath of God. I have been delivered from God's wrath coming upon me because Jesus Christ took the hit for me. So you and I know what it is to be delivered. You and I know what it is to walk in salvation and to be rescued. And this is what David says. He is my salvation. He has delivered me. Now, I love this, what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Like, like get, get the flow of Psalm 27 right off the bat. Right, get the flow of what David is saying here. He says, listen, if I know and I have the right perspective of who my God is, that he is my light and he is my deliverer, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. He is my refuge and he is my strength. David uses these two words often in other Psalms. He is my refuge, which means he is my shelter. And he is my strength. That means he makes me strong, that he is mighty, that he is bold. This is what this means. And he says, he is my defense. For whom shall I be afraid? For whom shall I dread? Who, who shall I worry about? 
This is what this means. When we really dig in just to the first, the first verse in this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. And whom shall I dread or who shall I worry about? Watch this. Here it is. When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. See, David understood what it, what it was to have a host, and that, is a, a, that means a large number, of, an army. It means an army that encamps around him. And in that picture, he says, my heart will not fear. I mean, what kind of man is this, right? Well, Sean, it is David. As you pointed out, he is kind of a big deal. Like he is a man after God's own heart. He is, ah, God chosen. Sean, who am I, who am I to compare to David? Just let me encourage you that what you have that David didn't have is when Jesus himself said, I must go away because I'll send you a helper. Church, what happens when you understand the power of the Holy Spirit within you, that divine Godhead of his spirit that reigns and dwells within you. There are moments in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people to do mighty works. How much more so me and you that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us for mighty works. So when you see this, you're like, I'm not David. No, you're not. I'm just, I'm just Sean Obergfell, but I am a child of God filled with his Holy Spirit, knowing that God's hand is mightily upon me. And I serve the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. I serve the same God that David served. I have a level of fear and reverence and know that God will move powerfully today as he did in the past. Why? Because I know and I have this perspective of God who is all powerful and almighty, that he is the great creator of the heavens and the earth. So when I begin to read this and and, and speak this. I want you to get this. It's not about David being a big deal. It's about me and you knowing that God so loved you, and this is personal. As much as he loved David, he loved you. And when David says this, when the host encamp around me, my heart will not fear. Church, what is it that you're able to say, no matter what is taking place in my life. If I feel like all of these things are coming against me, no, I want my heart to not fear. I want to be strong and I want to be bold because he continues and he says this, watch this, I love this. Right? He says, my heart will not fear. Though the war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. In spite of, listen, all the hosts coming against me, my heart will not fear. In spite of all of this, when they're encamping against me, when they're crowding against me, he says this, I shall be confident. Why? Because his perspective is right. He knows who his God is. He walks in this healthy reverence of God. He understands I will not be afraid. I will not dread no matter what is taking place in my life. He is my light. He is my shelter. He is my salvation. He is my strength. And when I'm weak, then I am made strong. And then you can go through all of these verses and all of this meditation and know how great our God is to find yourself in a place in Psalm 27 to say, I will not be afraid. 
afraid. I will not dread. I'm not going to worry about those who come against me. Man, my heart is in this place that it will not fear. And I shall be confident. And the word confident here, it means bold. I will be bold. That this is where David sets this beautiful picture up in Psalm 27. And then he goes right into verse 4, and here it is. He says the one thing. The one thing that I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Church, what happens when you understand Scripture reference to the house of the Lord, Old Testament, is speaking of the tabernacle. Maybe you'll see, and in, 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 we'll get to it, it says the, the house of the Lord or his temple or his tent. That is speaking of the place where his presence dwells. Your version may actually even say his presence. The one thing, watch this, please hear me, don't miss this, the one thing that David says, the one thing that I would ask of the Lord that I would seek is what? To be in the house of the Lord. That is referencing to his presence. God, the one thing that I seek is to be in your presence all the days of my life. Church, what is it about his presence? What is it about that longing to be in his presence? What is it? As we read Psalm 63, to say, God, I long for you. Man, I need you. What is it now? Us, Jesus followers, to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I long for you. Jesus, I look for you. Jesus, I seek for you. And amazing that Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. We don't serve a God who plays hide and seek. And the one thing, the one thing that David sought after was to be in the presence of the Lord all the days of his life. Church, do you seek his presence? Do you truly go after his presence? And I'm not talking about just on Sunday morning. We have a beautiful presence of God as the congregation, as the church, New Testament church. The definition of the New Testament church is the assembly of believers, right? It's the assembly of believers. Like if you're a born again believer in Christ, you need the church. You need to be in a congregation. You need to be in an assembly. It is the assembly of believers. This is who we are and this is what we do. We are the church of Christ. We are a sliver of Christ's body here at Believer's Chapel. Now you personally are the church, right? But the church is the assembly of believers. And man, in here on Sunday mornings, we have a beautiful presence of God as we worship him, as we seek after him, as we honor him, as we get into his word, as we pray, there's this beautiful, beautiful sense of his presence. But what about on Monday? And what about on Tuesday? And what about on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday back in the house on Sunday? Like, where is your longing to be with the Lord? Would you say, man, Sean, I don't know, man, that's kind of been a dry and weary land. I love my Sundays. I do it on Sundays, and it's great. I love our worship, and I love our atmosphere, and I love coming before the Lord. It's just amazing. But my heart is this, is church, what about on Monday? Where is your pursuit of him on Monday? Where is that intimacy on Tuesday? Where is that closeness on Thursday? Like, where are you during the week in my times with him to be in his presence? Not just on Sunday. And watch this, I love this because he says this, he continues. He says, the one thing I've asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? I love this, to behold 
behold the beauty of the Lord. I love this. To behold, it means to gaze, to stare upon the beauty, the delightfulness of the Lord. Because his loving kindness is better than life. David wrote Psalm 63. Because his loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. David knew about the delightfulness of the Lord. David knew about his compassion. David knew about his love, the love of God that God had for David and, and God's positioning of David and God's favor on David's life and how God blessed David. David understood that. He says, listen, I just want to be in his presence the one thing I want to be in his presence so that I can gaze on his beauty. Church, have you ever just truly wanted to just sit in this quiet place to gaze on his beauty? To be in that place to understand his delightfulness and his compassion and his grace and his mercy. And I love it that Emma picked it up, man. I love that Emma picked up just kind of something that I kind of wrote down. And it's just like, what, what does it mean to have a proper worship? What does it mean to properly adore the Lord? How do I get myself, watch this now. How do I get myself in a position to show proper worship? Two things. If you want to put that up so they can see it, you can write this down. It's just simple. It says proper worship is simple. It's I know who I am. And I know who he is. I know that I am just simply a sinner saved by grace. That's what I know. I know I don't deserve his grace. I can't earn his grace. I can't work for his grace. I can't be good enough because we're not. The Bible defines every single human being as filthy rags. Isaiah 60, when you went to 64, when you begin to see the reality of what the Bible defines us as sinners, when you understand the depth of sin, when you really get that, when that is an understanding, the man, I know what sin is. I know that sin certainly does equal death. And I know the depth of sin. Watch this, watch this. I, I believe this. The true salvation begins with my understanding of a holy God. That he is holy and he is pure. And he will have nothing to do with anything that is stained or defiling. And that's what sin is. So when I know who I am. And I know that I am just a sinner that doesn't deserve God's grace but I'm a sinner that is saved by grace. That in itself is amazing because I know what I rightfully deserve. I know exactly who I am. And I know this, I know who he is. And I know that he is a God of compassion. And he's a God who has such grace. And he's a God who has great favor on me. He is a God who, who looked at me and says, Sean, you are a sinner, but God, I, Sean, I love you. And I'm sending my son for you. And if you would repent from your sin and you will believe on his name, you shall be saved. Church, when you get this, this is where David is. David was a worship leader. David was a musician. David gives us so many of the Psalms. The word Psalms, it just simply means to give thanks, to praise. David knew what it was to praise. David knew what it was to give thanks. Church, what happens when you just simply look at worship and say, I know who I am. And I know who he is. And that compels me to love him. And that compels me to worship him. And compels me to want to bless him. And compels me to want to walk in obedience to him. Because of all that I am or what I rightfully deserve. 
I'm just simply a sinner that deserved death, but I am one who was saved by the beautiful grace of God. What is it, church? What is it to gaze on the beauty of the Lord? What is it to understand his delightfulness, his beauty, his grace, his loving kindness? Church, it's not difficult to be able to praise the Lord. It's not difficult to be able to worship him when you truly are a lover of Christ and you know the price that was paid for you and I. It's not difficult to understand where David is when he says the one thing. I long to be in the presence of the Lord. Because in that presence, man, I can behold, gaze upon the delightfulness of him. Come on, keep your finger there, please. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I want you to see this because there's a New, New Testament picture of this. And it's this beautiful picture of Jesus and Mary and Martha. And we see this one thing lived out here in this, in this just this little family home. And you've got Jesus, Mary and Martha, they know each other and they're, they're kind of friends with Jesus. They know Jesus. They travel with Jesus. They understand that Jesus, uh, with this miracle worker, like Jesus is known at this point, right? And then Jesus comes to their house. Okay, it's a big deal. Like when, if Jesus were to knock on your door today, like you'd be like, oh, woo, yes. Like, oh, dinner time. Like you would go crazy to try to get the house ready and get everything prepared. Like Jesus was well known, right? They did have a great affection for Jesus and Jesus is coming over for dinner, right? So you've got Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are sisters. We pick this up in Luke 10, verse 38 says this. Now as to they were traveling along and he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted, highlight distracted. And Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Like, I love where Martha and Mary, like they're sisters, right? Listen, I grew up with two other brothers, right? There were times that I'm just like, dude, you take out the garbage. No, you take out the garbage. No, you wash the car. Dad said wash the car. I think he told you to wash the car. I don't think he assigned it to anybody. So that means you're the youngest. You wash the car. Like, you know, you go into these different things, right? I don't know. I didn't have sisters, but I'm imagining that there are times with sisters, Mary and Martha with sisters, right? I'm sure that there was times there was like, come on, you get it done. Hey, you do the laundry. Hey, you do the dishes. Hey, would you stop? Like, would you please help? Would you get off of the social media? And would you give, I'm doing all the work, mom. <laughs> In this case, it's Jesus. Hey, Lord, help me out here because I'm doing all the work. I'm the one preparing the meal. I'm the one who's got to get everything ready. I'm the one who putting the plates out. I'm the one getting the drinks ready. Hey, Lord, would you please, would you please tell Mary to help me? And I'm sure that she was probably thinking, she probably wouldn't have said it if she wasn't thinking that Jesus was come right alongside of her and say, yeah, Mary, 
you're kind of lazy. Like, Mary, you're not doing anything. Martha, is it always like this? Yeah, Jesus, it's always like this. Mary doesn't do nothing. She just sits on her computer and you don't do nothing around this house. Like, I'm imagining that Martha in this statement is believing that Jesus is going to take a position that is on her side. Or she wouldn't have said it. Jesus' answer is stunning. Is Martha doing a bad work? No, she's serving Jesus. Is Martha in sin? No. She's cooking for the king of kings. She's making a meal for her dear friend. And Jesus stuns her when he says this. Watch this. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Church, I love it when Jesus repeats a name. I love it when Jesus says, Martha, Martha. It is, it is meant biblically to show a level of compassion. It is meant biblically to show a soft tone. Now, my mother never said, Sean, Sean. Like when my mom said, Sean David, there wasn't any soft tone and no compassion involved, right? When the middle name is involved, you know, Todd did it. That's all it was, you know, Todd did it. I blame my brother. Like when she says, Sean David, I just yell out, Todd did it. And it was over because I was the good son. That's all the way it was, you know, but like <laughs> you see Jesus here in, in, in a sense of for you and I to understand his tone here is one of soft and one of compassion, and he says this, I love this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. And I look at this, and I don't believe for a moment that Jesus is only referencing filling the water glasses. I believe that Jesus, who knows all things, and he knew the thoughts, he knew the direction, he knew the anxieties, he knew the joys, he knew the struggles of every person he was around, he knew the thoughts of those that he was around. He would repeat thoughts to people and freak them out like this was Jesus. And when we see, number one, that she was distracted, and then we see Jesus say, Martha, Martha, I love what he says, watch this, watch this, underline this, highlight this, you are worried and you are bothered about so many things. Church, what is it that distracts you? Church, seriously, what is it that you are worried and bothered about so many things? Like, what is it that in our life, whether it is the television, whether it is the, the being online and social media, whether it is scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, what it is that you are so worried about your likes and you're so worried about what people think and you're so worried about the comments and you're so worried about, like, they didn't have this, but there were things that were going on that Martha was distracted and Martha was bothered and Martha was worried about so many things, but yet here she is, she's so Serving and she's serving and she's serving and she's making a meal and she's pouring the drinks and she's like, Martha, you are worried and you are bothered about so many things. Yeah, but Jesus, come on, get Mary off her behind. What is Mary doing? Like she's just sitting at your feet. Oh, Mary, you just sit at your feet. Don't do nothing around this house. She's like, Martha, Martha. You are worried and you are bothered about so many things. And look what he does. Watch what Jesus does here. Church, this is stunning, and this is for you and I today. Look at what he says. I love this. He says this. 
But the Lord answered and he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary understood what it was to just simply be in his presence. Now hear me, church, please. You can serve, and you can serve, and you can serve, and you can serve the church, and you can serve the church, and you can serve the church, and you're doing so good, and you're doing so good, but all of a sudden, there's this distractions, and all of a sudden, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but I'm serving, and I'm doing good things, and I'm working hard, and I'm serving, and I'm good doing thing, good things, but you forgot. Watch this. Please hear me. This is huge. You forgot what it was about the one thing. You turn into the, the Ephesus church in Revelation 2. Watch this, where Jesus says in Revelation 2, that you have lost your first love. I serve and I serve and I serve and I serve and I'm doing okay and I'm serving and I'm doing all these things and I'm busy and I'm busy for Jesus and I'm busy for Jesus and I'm busy for Jesus and then all of a sudden, the relationship with Jesus has gone cold. And you're like, what happened? And Jesus is like, listen, there's that one thing. There's that one thing that is necessary. And there's these moments just to sit at my feet. There's these moments of what it is to truly just be in his presence. Church, there is this beautiful piece of our relationship with God Almighty. There is this intimacy that is necessary. There is this closeness that is necessary. There is this longing to be in his presence. There is this longing to be with Jesus. There is this longing by his Holy Spirit who reigns and dwells within us to know his presence. Not just on Sunday. You have this amazing picture of David in the Old Testament who was a big deal. Who says the one thing. I just want to be in your presence all the days of my life. You've got Jesus who seconds that in the New Testament. And Mary was doing good things. She wasn't in sin. She was actually serving Jesus food. But he understood, girl, you're distracted. You are worried and you are bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary got it right. It's just those times we just have to sit at his feet. There are times in the quiet of the moments we just have to be in his presence to be able to gaze upon his beauty. Yeah, but Sean, I'm busy. Sean, I got to do this. Sean, I got to do that. Man, I just picked up this other job. I just picked up this other thing. I'm just, I'm busy right now. I'm in a season of busyness. Church, what's going to happen is you're going to be in a season of dryness in your relationship with the Lord. And I truly believe there is something so precious and something so beautiful to just stop and 
remove the distractions and remove the busyness. Get back on target to the one thing. God, I long for your presence. I long to be in your presence. I long to just, once again, build that relationship with you and that intimacy and that closeness. God, I'm going to take you at your word that if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. God, I'm going to take you at your word. God, if I just sit and soak, God, I'll understand your presence. If I draw near to you, God, you're going to draw near to me. church, if you feel like you were in a dry and weary land, if you feel like you have lost that closeness, you have lost that intimacy. Psalm 27, it speaks to this. He says this. From the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle and in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. That's David finding that secret place of his presence. That secret place of his presence. God, you will hide me. That means, God, you will tend to what I need in that moment. When I find you in that secret place. Come on, let's just stand to our feet, please. Come on, church, where are you in this this morning? Have you come to a place to be dry? Have you come to a place to be so busy yet I'm studying, I'm doing good things? Then what happens when you study the Bible and 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 then all of a sudden in your studying the Bible, you're studying it only for yourself and it's only words on a page. What happens when you memorize, you memorize, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, you're zipping through it and all of a sudden you realize, wow, where are you in this, Lord? But I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm reading. you've lost what it is to study to know him. What it is to study to love him. What it is to read because you want to know him more. Because I long for him and I want to know him. God, I know who you are. I know your love for me and I want that to drive me to just love you back. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does it look like to truly just love him with everything you've got in that intimacy and in that closeness and in drawing near to him? What does that look like for you? I don't want you to come to church to play church. I love our Sunday morning. It is the time that we reach the most people that we can reach all week, and I love it. But I love my Monday morning. I love my quiet time with just me and Jesus. I love taking his word and say, I want to know you from your word. What happens, church, if you stay close and you never lose that intimacy and you just simply, even today, say, God, it's time for me to give up. It's time for me to surrender. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I encourage you, today's your day. Man, turn away from sin, repent from sin. 
believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, and it is the only answer for eternal life is Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's that simple. Jesus is the answer. And that you would confess that he is Lord, that you would surrender, call on his name, and the Bible is clear, you shall be saved. Where's your intimacy with the Lord today? Father, we thank you for our time. We thank you for the moment. Let this seed sit in our spirit today. Man, if anyone has any prayer needs, we would love to pray with you. My, my left, your right. We have people up front who would love to pray with you. You want to talk more about Jesus? We love to talk about Jesus. As Tracy sings, come on, let's close it out. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, man, we'd love to hear from you in prayer. Come on.